dust of Jacob Who can number his quarter part Let me die the death of the upright Let my end be just a Hey there, welcome back to the Redeeming Grace podcast. And today I am joined by Pastor Rory of Coromdale Baptist Church. And we're just taking some time to talk about the nation of Israel, how we understand Israel today as New Covenant Christians. And we know with uh, all of the turmoil happening in the Middle East, it uh, does raise a lot of questions as to how we make sense of the promises that were given by God to Abraham and uh, to the nation of Israel and how that relates today to the church. So in this uh, first episode, we're just taking some time to begin to work our way, uh, really starting at, at Genesis 12 primarily, where we see this man Abram emerge, God calls him, and just working through um, some of the covenant promises that God made. And then next week, we'll continue on uh, working through Genesis, coming to the point where we have the 12 tribes of, of Israel established by the offspring of Jacob. So, yeah, I hope it's helpful to you guys on uh, just really getting the conversation started. And we look forward to, uh, Lord willing, uh, continuing to unpack this and, and hopefully just help uh, with questions you may have. All right. God bless. All right. Well, welcome back to uh, today's podcast episode. And today I'm joined by Pastor Rory, who pastors in uh, Grand Prairie, Coromdale Baptist Church. Um, he and his wife there and his three uh, children have uh, just been a tremendous encouragement to me. And, and I, uh, Aaron Hale here, pastor at Redeeming Grace in Fairview, Alberta. And so uh, actually Coromdale was instrumental in enabling us to plant and so just continue to be thankful for for their support and uh been chatting with with uh, pastor rory a bit over the past few days here on just some of the events that are unfolding which i know all of you are aware of um you know we we hear of attacks today coming uh, towards israel we hear of uh, you know the enemy enemies of israel um launching rockets from gaza and issues in Ashkelon and, and uh, tension on the borders of Lebanon. And if it wasn't for the fact that we, we hear of uh, current military weaponry being used, we, we might think that we're reading something out of First and Second Kings. Uh, and it is somewhat, somewhat still um, uh, shocking for us to, to see that Israel is still a nation engaged in, in much uh, conflict on all sides. And I think this naturally raises many questions for the disciples of Jesus Christ, for students of the scripture. On the one hand, we know there is an Old Testament and a New Testament for a reason. Uh, but sometimes we wonder maybe how are we to understand Israel today? Uh, how, do we, how do we understand the, the promises uh, given to Israel in the Old Testament and uh, the coming of Christ even as we approach Christmas time? What, what is the significance of that? Um, 
what what is the place of the church and and uh, just uh, many questions how are we to think of Israel today uh, so basically um, in talking with with Pastor Rory we just thought we would get together and um, that we would look a bit at the history uh, in the Old Testament Genesis as to the people of Israel and work our way forward to the coming of Christ and the significance of, of the New Testament so um, Pastor Rory, welcome. It's great to chat with you today. Yeah, great to be talking in this new format and uh, always encouraging to go to the scriptures and discuss these things. Yes, absolutely. And I know every time I go through this material, there's things that I uh, you know, realize I have missed before or maybe hadn't realized the significance of it and and so uh, our plan is just to go right back to um, Genesis and today try to just do a bit of an overview as best we can, um, looking at where did the nation of Israel come from, what is the, the origins as God has revealed in Scripture. And so we're going to go um, right back to, to Genesis 12 and... Um, Rory, you want to maybe just get us started here in, in where did where did this uh, begin in regards to this people we know as, as Israel today? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as we approach Genesis 12, obviously it's the 12th chapter of Genesis. There's a bit before that. Um, we know yeah. that God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh and, and then, uh, you know, zooms in genesis 2 creates adam and eve in his own image to reflect and represent him they fall into sin at the temptation of satan and the whole world is cursed and uh the promise is that they'll die when they they disobey god's commandment and so we see death and the curse enter the world we see um, various nations arising out of um, adam and eve and their their offspring and through noah and so um, we come into chapter 12 with the context of many nations scattered around the world. Um, we're all under sin. We're all cursed and um, judged and in needing of, of salvation. And so chapter 12 really is the beginning of God's promise of salvation. And it comes through this man, Abraham, or Abram, as he's known right now. So yeah, Genesis 12, starting in verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham was commanded to come out of his own country. He came from Mesopotamia, um, north of Canaan and northeast of there. And uh, he was a pagan. He worshipped idols in that land. But God called him, and uh, he came to this land um, of Canaan. And uh, you'll notice in this section there are kind of three main promises land seed and blessing and so god is going to give abraham and his family a land that land of canaan he's going to give them seed um his descendants as you'll see later will be like the stars in heaven or the sand on the seashore a multitude 
And so um, there's the seed, there's also the blessing. Five times in these verses, there's the, there's the word bless. And it's interesting in the preceding chapters, Genesis uh, 3 and on, 3 to 11, there's five times where the word cursed is mentioned. But now God is answering five times with with blessing. So he has a plan to bless this world that has been cursed by sin and death. And um, yeah, verse verse uh, four tells us that Abraham at this time is 75 years old when he departs from Haran. So he's an old man. His uh, mm-hmm. wife is up in age as well. So this promise comes... Um, already kind of in a in a strange way to this old couple um mm-hmm. and they don't have any children um but uh verse 7 hones in again um Abraham passes through the land of Canaan and it says then the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring I will give this land so he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him so uh, there's there's kind of the beginning of God's promise to Abraham to use him to bless all the nations. Yeah, and, and uh, that's that's really interesting what you pointed out about the the contrast with the previous previous verses there, um, the the cursing that resulted from the fall, and God instead of uh, judging um, and and bringing about what we really deserved. He instead puts forward this plan of redemption um, uh, through Abraham, and in 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 uh, thinking too in the in Genesis there, there's this promise given to the woman, to Eve, of this seed that would come through through which the head of the serpent would be crushed, and so you kind of have this uh, lingering question there: Who is this seed of the woman? And and it, and it is you know like you pointed out the promise there of seed um is, is very fascinating as well mm-hmm. all right and then um uh, we move on then to i'll just kind of we're and as i said we're kind of going through this rather quickly but um trying to get as much of the context as we can so abraham moving on um as god instructed him to the land that he would show him and uh we um have them in Egypt for a time, and uh, won't comment on that a whole lot at this point. But uh, God protects them even while in Egypt um, from from Pharaoh, um, essentially trying to steal away uh, Abram's wife, who he did not disclose to Pharaoh that it was his wife. And, and God protects her, and they um, eventually come. We're told they went up from Egypt in uh, chapter 13. He and his wife and all that he had and Lot with him. Lot is his nephew into the Negev. We're told Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold, and he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together, for their possessions were so great they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot. At that time, the Canaanites and Perizzites were dwelling in the land. And um, Abram essentially gives Lot the pick of the, the, of the land, 
And um, naturally, Lot uh, sees the Jordan Valley is well watered. It's like the Garden of the Lord, we're told. And so he he decides to go that way. Um, and and then we have again this reinstatement of God's promise to Abraham after they part ways. Um, and the Lord in verse 14 says to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of memory, which are at Hebron. There he built an altar to the Lord. So um, as Abram comes into the land to which God called him, uh, like Rory said, those initial promises that were made, God once again reaffirms those promises to Abram. And uh, and we see this, just uh, the hand of the Lord really moving with this man and uh, his blessing upon him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, as we go on in the story, um, really I think we see the key chapters um, here are those relating to these promises, and mm-hmm. we now see that there's um, really a covenant relationship that God is making with Abram mm-hmm. in which these promises um, are contained, right? So, Chapter 12, yeah. the kind of first promises to Abraham. Chapter 15 is this establishing of the covenant. Chapter 17 is a bit more about the covenant and even um, Abraham's obligation to circumcise himself and his offspring. Chapter 22 then is going to be um, another confirmation of that covenant. So, But mm-hmm. uh, chapter 15 first here... Um, Abraham is uh, kind of dealing with some some struggles with his faith here. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, them being up in age and they don't have a child yet, though there's these promises for the, the seed to come. Um, so I, I'll just read these verses. But chapter 15, sure. 1, mm-hmm. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. So right now, um, you know, Abram's looking forward to the time he would die, and who's going to take over? Who's going to be his heir? Well, it's, it's this servant in his house, Eliezer of Damascus. And Damascus, mm-hmm. kind of in the region we call Syria, right? And um, th- this was not someone from his own lineage, obviously. So yeah. um, at this point, he had no offspring with, with Sarah. Um, but verse 4 says, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. So God reaffirms that promise, even that it would be his very own son. Hmm. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. 
Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And so God tells him, really, your your seed, yeah, you'll be a great nation. All nations will be blessed through you. Your offspring will be like the stars in heaven that you can't count. It'll be a, a countless multitude, right? And yeah. verse 6 tells us that he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. And that's, you know, Paul will pick up on that later in the New Testament and uh, prove that justification has always been by faith um, in God and um, mm-hmm. that we have an alien righteousness that's credited to us, not our own righteousness. Salvation is not by works. It's through faith in God and, and he counts, he reckons us righteous. That's our justification, right? And ultimately that comes through Christ. The the righteous mm-hmm. one is active and passive obedience that he, he lived a perfect life that we have never lived. He died the death that we deserve, and so um, he can uh, count us righteous in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so so Abraham believes this promise, and then we see, you know, moving on in that passage, there's this covenant ratification ceremony, and maybe I won't read all those verses, but um, there's uh, these animals that are cut in pieces, and there was, this was a common kind of covenant ceremony in those days where you'd cut animals in half and then both parties of the covenant would um, walk through the pieces effectively saying if I break this covenant well I'll I'll be cut in half well I should be cut in pieces like uh, these animals there was always blessings and curses associated with covenants of course Mm -hmm. a covenant even just to define a covenant is yeah. basically an oath-bound commitment. And these are really important in Scripture. We see several major biblical covenants, right? And, um, yeah. you know, the covenant with Adam in the garden, which we call the covenant of works. There's the covenant with Noah after that, um, this covenant of common grace over, over the world. And um, here we have the covenant with Abraham, which includes all these gospel promises um mm-hmm. but uh so this um this covenant ceremony is interesting though because effectively we see god go through the animals all on his own abraham right. does nothing um yeah. so god is saying i'm going to uphold this covenant you know e- even if you break this even if you're disobedient I'm going to be the one upholding this covenant to my own hurt, which is very interesting as you think yeah. forward to um, Christ dying for us, right? He takes right. the penalty yeah. of our covenant disobedience. And so um, this yeah. is a, a totally gracious um, covenant promise here. God is going to uphold it by his His grace and uh, his work. Yeah, and yeah. So you'd say, um, oh, sorry, uh, the um, so God being there represented, you'd say, because He sees the smoking fire pot and flaming torch passing between the pieces, so that representing God Himself, who's passing through the 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 animals, indicating that He alone is is going to uphold this because. Abraham was put into a sleep, essentially. Right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, Abraham sleeping. Yeah. Verse 17 is where we see that smoking fire yeah. pot and flame torch passing between the pieces. And uh, that's, you know, obviously God is spirit and <laughs> doesn't have yeah, a, right. a physical form, but he does manifest himself in theophanies. And this yeah. even um, kind of points us forward to, you know, the the, the flaming fire, even mm. the burning bush or, you know, the, the pillar of fire that followed um, the Israelites and gave yeah. them light in the darkness. And so this is a clear theophany of God moving mm-hmm. between these pieces saying he'll uphold the covenant. And uh, and again, he reiterates the promise of the land. Um, verse 18, mm-hmm. on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, to your offspring, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, and the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. So really that whole land there from, you know, the where the river Euphrates was in the north, um, kind of stretched from north of Israel there all the way down by, you know, Babylon and Nineveh. But uh, from that kind of border in the north all the way down and, you know, to the Mediterranean Sea and, and the Jordan River and around that, that area down to, you know, the brook of Egypt, that whole land yeah. was promised um, by God to Abram. Yeah. And it's a good reminder, too, that, you know, the, that ultimately the the earth is the Lord's. You know, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And so he, you know, somebody might say, well, especially in our day and time when there's all this talk of, you know, who is here first, whose land is it? on and on and on and, it, and clearly the lord uh is demonstrating that well this is his world and he certainly can dispossess nations uh, at times when he when he wants to and uh as the sovereign judge of all things and he can give that to those whom he is pleased to give it um and, and i think even that picture we know the um the righteous inheriting the land which kind of points us forward to the, the glorification of all things when um, the earth is made new and, and only righteousness you know, dwells upon it, um, which is say it kind of typologically points us forward as well that way. Yeah, no, that's right. an awesome point. Um, the yeah. meek will inherit the earth. And uh, even in Romans 4, there's kind of a note that uh, Abraham was an heir of the world, Hmm. even initially here this is kind of a microcosm of the fullness of God's promise that will come to Abraham's offspring Um, it's not necessarily just about one strip of land in the ancient (laughs) ancient Near East there it's it's about the whole world ultimately being inherited by Christ and his seed Um, but I guess we're getting ahead of ourselves there (laughs) yeah I know (laughs) Spoiler alert. Verse 16 is really interesting there because uh, um, God notes they shall come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. God already um, prophesies the exodus of Egypt and their sojourning there for 400 years. Verse 13 Mm -hmm. notes, but he would bring them out. Verse 14 and uh, verse 16 
says Abraham's family will come back in the fourth generation. And God yeah. was being patient with the the Canaanites, right? right? Um, yeah. They were already a wicked people, um, right. but he left them there for four more generations, 400 mm-hmm. years, yeah. and uh, until their iniquity was complete. And, and we see, of course, by, by the time of Joshua, when he goes into the land, um, uh, an incredibly wicked people. I mean, Leviticus 18 yeah. chronicles right. some of you know, the depravity there. And, um, yeah. you know, God has a right to judge and uh, right. and bring wrath upon all of us as sinners. We have to remember that, um, but yeah. even historically upon these people. Yeah. Yeah, the 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 lie of uh, neutrality, I guess you know that that these are innocent nations just minding their own business. Um, when in fact, I think and you were so it was so good to just you know give a quick summary of Genesis because, like you pointed out, um, all of the nations are in rebellion against God and are mm-hmm. uh, practicing lawlessness. Even the law that that is written upon our heart, you know. Um, and uh, we kind of look at Romans one as well. That um, even even through creation, we we know that God is. We see something of His His power, His power, and His His, his wisdom, and we are accountable to that revelation. And these nations had given themselves over to all kinds of sexual immorality, child sacrifice, um, mm-hmm. and, and just the same sorts of evil that God, um, you know, judged for in Noah's day. Were were continuing to to happen among the nations so yeah so much in there that is really incredible um all right and and uh and and like you said the, the understanding of the covenant obviously is so foundational that these are this is covenantal language god establishing uh, these covenants with abraham here and this will have um implications that resound throughout the rest of redemptive history into eternity even <laughs> so um that's good good to bring that up as well i think sam renahine made the comment that uh in covenant god makes blessings available to man that they could not otherwise obtain and so in order for an infinitely holy god to bring about blessing to a sinful man um then then there must be this establishment of of uh, a covenant through which the terms and and uh, the conditions are set by God Himself. So certainly mm-hmm. see that unfolding. Mm-hmm. All right, and uh, yeah, so we'll just try to keep moving forward here. Obviously, there's so much in here, but um, as we as we move forward, we have this uh, chapter 16. Um, as you pointed out, Abraham and well, Abram and Sarai at this point, the names haven't changed yet. They uh, have received this promise. We're told Abraham believes it. It's credited him as righteousness, and yet, no doubt, they're they're looking at, at themselves. Their bodies are are old. Um, Sarah uh, Sarai is is realizing that uh, biologically speaking, um, her her years of of child, uh, you know, being able to conceive a child have come to an end. So they come up with this plan to um, maybe help God out a little bit and, and bring about the promise in their own way and own time. And so Sarai gives her 
servant Hagar to Abram as uh, as sort of a surrogate mother, and uh, her plan is that through her servant, the promised child will be brought forth, and of course we know that is Ishmael, and um, God shows kindness to, to Hagar and Ishmael, and uh, even a sense of, of um, protection upon him we find in um, in verse 7 there, the angel of the Lord comes to Hagar, uh, and we're told um, she's in the wilderness, she's been exiled by Sarai because um, uh, the, the the jealousy um, that uh, takes place, and um, the angel says, "Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone, and everyone against everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen." So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, you are a God of seeing, for she said, truly here I have seen him who looks after me. And uh, so we have the foolish uh, plan of Sarai, and Abraham goes along with it to help God out, essentially, bring about the child of promise. Um, Ishmael comes onto, this, comes onto the scene here shortly, and um, yeah, it really brings nothing but but tension and heartache for for the offspring of Abraham, the descendants who will become known as Israel. So we still see the effects of that decision uh, playing out in our day as well. You know, the Muslim world would point to Ishmael as their uh, forefather and them the true offspring of Abraham. And uh, And then, you know, you have ethnic Israel obviously pointing to the child of promise. So... Not a not a great moment for Sarah and Abram here, <laughs> and so that leads us into 17, where we have now the the sign of this covenant given. God often accompanies the covenant promises with physical signs um, to be sort of a, a reminder, a symbol of the covenant, and so in 17. We have uh, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appears to him and uh, reaffirms who he is. I am God Almighty. He admonishes Abram to walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Abram falls on his face and God says to him, Behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of multiple. Uh, you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. And I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And then he goes on and establishes circumcision as the sign um, of this covenant. It says, um, going on in verse uh, 9 and, and 10, that um, you shall keep this between me and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. 
You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. Um, and so God establishes this um, covenant sign of circumcision, which is a, a reminder of the covenant that they are a people set apart. And uh, I've heard it described, which I think is helpful, is that circumcision was meant to point us back to Abraham, um, to the man of faith, but also pointing us forward to the promised seed of Abraham who would come uh, from him. And, um, and of course, the, even the picture of being a people who are, who are separated, cut off um, in a graphic sort of way, uh, somewhat a, a picture of that as well, which, of course, Paul will pick up on in the New Testament as a picture of even um, the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. And so a lot going on here for sure. And, and we also have in 15, verse 15, um, again, the promised birth of Isaac. And Sarai's name is also changed from Sarai to Sarah. And so, yeah, we have Abram. It is now Abraham, which uh, has more the meaning of a, a father of a multitude. Abram, I think most would agree it, it means uh, exalted father or high father, something like that. Whereas Abraham, the, the father of a multitude, and Sarai, um, noble woman. I think some even say we're going to refer to like princess or Sarah, uh, the the mother of nations. So within this name change, we have God reaffirming His plan to bring about a great multitude through Abraham and Sarai. Um, so yeah, lots happening there as well. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Any other any other thoughts there about? Yeah, I mean, just one note. It's interesting this chapter how um, there's now a royal element to the promise. Mm. Verse mm. six, um, right. kings shall come from you, and then verse sixteen, um, she shall become nations, kings and peoples, kings of people shall come from her. Um, so there's kind of now this royal element where there will be even a kingly um, seed coming to them. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we see that later picked up in Genesis 49. The scepter will not depart from Judah, so the tribe of Judah was going to have this royal element, and Mm. we see that fulfilled in David, son of Judah, or of the tribe of Judah, um, and uh, he becomes king over the united kingdom of of Israel, and... um, is given the promise in Second Samuel 7 that is, he will always have a man sit on his throne, that there will be an eternal um, kingdom through him. Um, mm-hmm. one, of, one of his sons will reign forever. So um, this kind of adds that just kingly element to the promise of the seed. Yeah. So there's development here in that way. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I, I didn't um, point out either that Abraham in um, verse 18 basically begs God that Ishmael might be the, the son whom God had promised. And in verse 19, God's like, no, your, your wife Sarah, she will bear the son and you'll call his name Isaac. Um, and so he, uh, he says, I will bless Ishmael. I will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. And he also will father these 12 princes. 
and be a great nation, but his covenant is established with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear next year. So, yeah, really interesting how <laughs> God graciously, um, I think, responded to their foolishness, but there was no way to alter the the, the plan that God had put forward. Very to promise seed, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, moving on to chapter 18, you see the Lord appearing again to Abraham and reiterating this promise. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, we see that there's still a bit unbelieving. Um, hmm. Verse 10, the Lord says, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. (laughs) Um, I just like that interchange there. Tries to deny it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so we see, yeah, obviously, humanly speaking, you know, Sarah's looking at this in an earthly way and still doesn't think she can bear a child. Um, But our God is one who does the impossible, nothing is too hard yeah. for him. And so he still reiterates this promise that Abraham's seed will come through his own wife, Sarah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we see that that is the case. Uh, moving on to chapter 21 there. Hand it over to you. Who can count the dust of Jacob? Who can number his quarter part? Let me die the death of the upright. Let my end be just a sight. Rise up now, Balak, hear me. God is not a man, a liar. Okay, we're going to pause the conversation there for now, and we will pick it up again next week as we continue to work our way through the account in Genesis. And I do hope it's been helpful for all of you just to once again consider God's work in redemptive history, in calling Abraham, and all of those promises that were given. And Lord willing, in the weeks to come, we will see how those uh, prepare the way for Christ to come and for the establishment of the new covenant. And so hopefully you can join us again uh, next week as we continue on. Also, just want to mention that the music uh, for the intro-outro here is from Jamie Souls, and just really appreciate his ministry. You can find his music at solmusic.ca. And also, if you're looking for uh, more of Coram Deo's information or teaching from Pastor Rory, you can find their website at coramdeogp.com and also our church website at redeeminggracechurch.ca. All right, God bless, and hopefully we will join you again next week as the conversation continues. God